Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Bears for breakfast, 29th of September. Gee whiz, for a Wednesday, we've gone all over the place and had some great conversations, Izzy, whether it be Fijian drawer or code-hopping superstars, Heartland Rugby, Squash, and plenty more. Have you enjoyed it? I've loved it, mate. I've loved it. We've had some great guests. Paul Cole, we, we champion him. He is one of our favourites on the show. He is travelling the world. He's currently just went down to Ali Farag in the San Francisco Open, but he's heading to the US Open, and he's going to go one better. So great to chat to him. Nehi Milnaskara, talking all things mental health. It is Mental Health Awareness Week, but we should be talking about it every single day. And he spoke about the love and the openness and just being open with each other. And I really, really enjoyed that conversation. If you missed it, make sure you head to our podcast, Baz and Izzy for Breakfast. Nehi Milnaskara, you won't be disappointed. It was unbelievable. And then, well, just then we spoke to Jason Forrest of North Otago. He is a heartland coach. And, well, we love championing the provinces. They are a big part of what is the beast today, New Zealand rugby. And it's great to get them some exposure. We also spoke to... Pacific Rugby, Fiji Drua GM, Simon Rawalui. He is the coach, uh, GM for Fiji Drua, and he was unbelievable. And we spoke about Semi Rajradra. He is a code hopper, and we've had some great code hoppers coming through the text line. Brad Thorne, Craig Wing, Craig Innes, Jeff Olson. Not even code hoppers, could be any sport. Ash Barty, tennis to cricket. Been some great names. We've had a great show, and without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. One of our our show favourites. He is our favourite on the Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Paul Cole, one of our favourite Kiwi champion squash player. Paul Cole has continued his hot streak, only just to be beaten in the final of the San Francisco in a four-game marathon by world number one Ali Farag. Well, he's kept the plane on hold. He's delayed boarding. So we're going to get to him straight away. Poor Cole Champion. How are you, bud? Yeah, kia ora, bro. Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Kia ora, kia ora. So what time are you boarding? You must be off soon, eh? Yeah, I just uh, I just told him that Izzy Dag was giving me a call, so um, I just delayed the plane by 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they would have been going, who's that? Anyway. <laughs> hey, mate. Um, <laughs> Tell us about San Francisco. Um, you obviously played really, really well. Just uh, fell short at the final hurdle up against uh, your good mate Ali Farag. Um, but it was a hell of a contest, day. Eh? Were you pretty happy with it? There was obviously a lot of things that you just could have done differently during the match. I was listening to your post-match. What were those, bud? Yeah, it was a tight one, man. It was. Um, I thought I was playing really well. Um, he was playing really well, mm. so it was just a good battle. Um, I made a, a few crucial errors at the back end of the games. Um which against, you know, obviously the best in the world, that, that's just going to hurt you too much. So I think, you know, 9-8 in the fourth, I put a, a, one of my favourite shots into the tin, which is just, you know, it's very frustrating. Felt like it was the right mm. shot, but just didn't ex- execute it. Um, so just small things like that, man. It was, it was a tough week, but, uh, you know, conditions were 
pretty cold out there. We're playing in like 14 degrees, so um, it was completely yeah. different to Cairo a couple of weeks ago. So I was happy I adapted to, to those conditions, which, you know, um, it's quite nice to be able to play in, in two completely different conditions and, and play well on both of them. So, Hey, mate, talk to us about those conditions. You obviously go from Cairo where it's thinking hot to cold. It, does it, do you have to play differently? Do you have to, um, hit, you know, hit the ball? The ball react differently in the cold and the hot, obviously. So what's your mindset and your game plan when you're going into these different, um, you know, uh, uh, conditions? Yeah, it's probably a bit harder in the cold, to be honest. Obviously, mm. the warmer temperatures is going to be physically quite tough. But the colder conditions, if you you don't have much margin for error because if you sort of slightly miss hit the ball, it just goes, goes nowhere because it's a lot heavier in the conditions. And then... Um, you know, you sort of give your opponent an opening, so you sort of your margins for yeah. error are quite small when it's cold. Um, so it's, it's quite mentally very tough because you had to focus so much on every shot and just trying to execute it perfectly because um, you, you sort of mm. your errors are compounded by the conditions. So it was cool, man. That was a, my first time playing here. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed it. Great crowd. So it's nice being out of Egypt in a, in a more neutral crowd. So uh, it was a good week, man. That's awesome, Paul. Neutral crowd, but still the the Egyptians that are just so good, aren't they? So this battle with Ali Farag you got going on, he must be a serious gun. What's his What's his edge that he seems to have at the moment? Like what What's he doing really well? And and have you thought about how you can combat it, or are you just worrying about yourself? Um, no, I mean I think uh, I actually think like you know I was one love up, seven four up, um, and it's just mm. like those big points that I was talking about before. You know, squash can be. In a match like that, it can be changed on like two points or, you know, three points, three mistakes. So I think it's just sort of dialing in into those important points and, and playing them well, which is what I did really well at the British Open when it comes to the, yeah. the back end of the games. I, I won all those, um, whereas this week, you know, I probably was a bit guilty of getting a bit trigger happy and just trying to hit a winner too early when maybe it wasn't quite there. Um, but, you know, he, he's he's very smart on a squash. He's one of the smartest squash, squash players out there, reads the game very well and he just knows what shot to play at, at what time. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my tactic I've got against him. And, and you know, I think I can beat him. But, yeah, it's, it's fine margins and just sort of being disciplined right to the to the final whistle. Mate, um, squash aside, mate, how are you travelling? How are you travelling? You're going from country to country, you know, you're jet-setting. You wouldn't even know COVID's a thing with how you're travelling. How are you tracking, bud? <laughs> yes, um, it's different, man. I was just saying before, we, we sort of, we, had, we were having like one tournament every three months during COVID, so I was spending a lot of time at home, and now I think I've spent you know three days at home in the last two months. So it's like completely different. Um, it's it's good that we're playing, obviously, but it's mm. yeah, it's tough, man. It's I was quite enjoying being at home for more than three days, you know. So, um, my golf game's <laughs> suffering, that's for sure. I'm not getting out there like I want to. So, um, but no, I'm good, man. I'm enjoying it. It, it helps that I'm in, you know, I'm playing some good squash and. Just loving, loving competing at the moment. So it's great that we can get out on tour. And you know, America's pretty open due to COVID. Like it's, it's not yeah. a ton of restrictions here. So um, it's actually quite enjoyable to come and play here. Um, we we can get out a bit more, which is which is always more enjoyable. We're not just like locked in our hotel rooms all day. You haven't been eating tomato pasta, have you? <laughs> oh mate, it's a treat this week. I, I you know I could order what I wanted. <laughs> I don't think I touched one pasta. <laughs> oh right, nice. Hey, talk to us about the connections. The connections are like you're, so, you're an individual sport, but from the outside looking in, it looks like you, you you got a great connection and a bit of an understanding for all players on tour. Um, you know, I've seen a bit of banter thrown around from the Al Shabagi 
uh, twins when 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 they're trying to jump, you know, just leave the court poor cold to, to to doing the jumps or doing those jumps on the on the court and a bit of banter out on the court as well through the matches. Is is there a bit of a tight connection between you all? Yeah, squash is pretty cool, man. Um, it's it's obviously not like you know it hasn't got the popularity or the the famousness of some other sports. So we're all quite quite close. We all know each other well. We all train together, you know. Mm. So um, it's sort of like I mean, there's people that you you don't get along with, but most of the top boys, you know, we all sort of get along and have a you know we obviously all want to you know kill each other on court, but you know it's quite nice <laughs> to have a bit of fun out there. Um, we sort of all respect each other and we all know each other well. So um, it's cool, man. It's it's pretty unique to squash that. I think it's quite a small small community, but you know, everyone respects everyone and everyone knows what, what you go through. So, yeah, it's cool, man, especially, uh, you know, the last sort of couple of months. I've, I've just been enjoying my squash as well, which helps. Um, yeah, so it's, it's cool, man. It's cool about squash that, yeah. And you, you said, Paul, last time that you, you guys are in a real busy period, so you didn't have a lot of squash. Now you're all you're playing squash pretty much week in, week out. Where are you off to now? And um, how's the fatigue going? Like, how's the body mentally? You, you doing well? Yeah, so I'm just uh, in uh, San Fran Airport at the moment. Just about to fly to Philadelphia. So we've got the US Open um, starting in about four days. Uh, so fly there, and then after that, we've got five days at home, and then I fly to Qatar um, for the Qatar Classic there. So, yeah, body's holding up all right, man. Um, you know, I, I trained a lot over the COVID period to sort of prepare for this. You know, I did a lot of gym work and stuff. Because I knew once we started, it was going to be a bit crazy, and we would be able to get into the gym and do all the training we wanted to. So... I'm, my body's feeling good, man. It's, it's you know mentally, I'm, in, I'm. I think it helps that I'm, I'm playing well and enjoying my squash. So that's, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's always helping. But yeah, body's good, man. Like I said, I prepared well during the COVID period for this, this sort of stretch of tournament. So body's, body's holding so up nicely. Where's home? Where's home? And did you ever, did you ever crack at the MIQ absolute shambles lottery or what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no man, I, I didn't have a crack at that. Actually, I'm, I've been uh, living in Amsterdam for the for the past uh, couple of years, but yeah, that's no, a bit wow. of a shame there, isn't it? Thirty thousand plus, but um, yeah, I was thinking, I was just seeing that bloody uh, trying to open up a bit more to vaccinated passengers. So um, yeah, I've got my fingers crossed that maybe I can come home sooner, but I think I'm getting my hopes up too soon. I don't know. Hey, what's what's Amsterdam like? What's it like living there? Yeah, it's cool, bro. Um, I, I don't live in the city centre just to, uh, you know, ease the temptation, but um, it's uh, it's crazy, man. Like I, I just I live on the outskirts because otherwise the centre's just absolutely mayhem, man. It's just non-stop. You just, uh... <laughs> yeah. That's gold. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's enough of that. That's enough of that conversation. I can hear it in your voice. You don't really want to talk about it. it's good, mate. Hey, have you got a message? You know, I know your mum or your family. Will potentially be listening to us. Have you got a message for your family back at home? Uh, yeah, man. Just uh, everyone in New Zealand that supports me. Actually, it's, it's been real cool this tournament. Everyone sort of um, the time difference has been great. So I've been getting a lot of support from back home, and just want to thank everyone for for supporting me, sending me the messages. Uh, it means a lot to me. So uh, thanks everyone for the support. Really appreciate it, especially you boys too. Right, awesome. Love it. Thank you. Yeah, no, nah, we, we love supporting you, Paul Cole. You're an absolute champion, mate. We'll always have your back, win or lose. We'd love to have you on the show again, mate. You're a crowd favourite amongst us all. So thanks so much. Travel safe and turn left. Never turn right on that plane, all right? <laughs> <laughs>
With that US Open, with that uh, that British Open cash, he's definitely going left, mate. He's definitely definitely going left. He's definitely going left. Ah, he's a champ, mate. He's a champion. It would be pretty lonely, you know, the old um, squash kind of circuit. You're traveling around, you're up against different individuals every single day. And and in this current times we're in, I've got a lot of appreciation for Paul Cole and what he's been able to do and achieve. He obviously didn't get the treats. Uh, and, and that open in San Francisco, but US Open, he'll be going in there with a lot of form and hopefully he can get one up on Ali Farag because um, we love seeing him be so successful. Poor Carl, what a champ. Yeah, and it's not like, I mean, making the final consistently, like he's world number three now. He's in the semi finals, if not the final, pretty much week in, week out. Like he will be accruing some good cash. He'll be, you know, living, living a good life, a busy life, but you can tell, you can hear it in his voice. He's actually really enjoying it. I'm thinking we probably need to get a, an opener made up, maybe not by Joe, but Paul's world. Um, well, Cole's, yeah, yeah uh, he's, he's back each I've time. I've got a name for it and he can sing it. Cole on a roll. Yeah, the Cole's on a roll. Yeah. Like a Coley yes. stone? Ro- oh, like a Coley stone. Rolly Coley. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Uh, he's he, such a great guy. He is Isn't one he adorable. Of the best guys going. So we'll be talking code crossing superstars, is he? And it's quite apt for our next guest, isn't it? It is, mate. He's an absolute champion. And this week it's Mental Health Awareness Week. And it's something we are very, very passionate about on the show because mental health is real and can raise its head at any stage, no matter who you are. One man who I have huge respect for is Nehi Milnaskara. He's been very vulnerable and open about his battles through ups and downs of a professional sports career and life too. But more than that, he's an absolute champion. I want to hear how Nuggie's going and if, if he's staying calm after his TikTok sensation. Good morning, Nehi. What in my brother, Dagger? How are you? How are you? How are you, brother? Yeah, brother. Good, good, good. What in a bro? Um, nah, pumping, pumping this morning. What a absolute cracker. Right here in Wellington. So, um, nah, woken up to some good weather, bro. So, yeah, bro. Nah, it's fizzing, fizzing. Nice. Have you, uh, yeah, bro, it's great to have you on the show. We're actually talking about, uh, just before we get started, the Code Crosshoppers and, uh, you know, successful ones. You were a successful one, successful one too. You had a little dabble into the league, and then come over and applied your trade into the rugby. Now, mate, did you? What What did you find tough about um, transitioning from the league and rugby? Was there a big difference? Um, not oh, not too much, bro. I think the fact that I only spent two years playing league over in Aussie, so I was there in the under twenty yeah. setup and. Um, didn't end up getting a contract after that for first grade, so I came home and just started playing club um, back in Palmy mm. and sort of worked my way up from there. So the transition wasn't um, too hard, I guess, compared to other boys that have probably played longer in league. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's been heaps of guns, bro, that have come over from league and, and killed it. So yeah, I probably haven't got the same yarns because I didn't spend as much time and didn't the kick on to play NRL and that, but um, now nah, the two years I did have, bro, was pretty cool. Nice, bro, nice, bro. Love it, love it. I reckon it, it developed your game and probably made you into the superstar you are today, that wax city that you're able to do on many, many <laughs> players. Um, hey, mate, uh, let's talk about it. It's Mental Health Awareness Week, and I know you're very, very passionate. It's something that you speak openly about it. Mate, um, what does this week mean to you? Well, not just this yeah, week, it's probably um, every day, isn't it? Yeah, bro, like, um, I'm stoked that there is sort of weeks like this, but I think um, mm. 
Yeah, it needs to be something that's spoken about every minute of the day, every day, every week, you know. Um, yeah. But it's cool that there are weeks that we do spread that awareness and um, I guess push the messages out around getting support and, and talking about struggles and, and vulnerability like that because I think, um, for me, bro, I think it's kind of just normalise those conversations, normalise mental health. Mm. Um I'd love to get to a point in time when we don't actually say it's courageous or we, not, we don't say it's brave for people to speak out. It's it's just normal and it's just the right thing yeah. to do. Um, mm. So yeah, we, we're getting there, bro. There's so much awesome campaigns and awesome people doing some incredible mahi in this space. Because um, like you said in the intro, bro, it can rear its head at any time and um, it doesn't discriminate, bro. It affects anyone and everyone at, at some point in time so the more we can continue to just keep speaking about our our struggles but then also the ways that we sort of overcome them bro i think um yeah it definitely helps a lot of people out there and so t- tell us about your journey bro tell us about your journey and how you're going at the moment and and what made you come to this like you know this this awareness and being open about it and and your own little little struggles I've been open about mine and um you know I'm just, you, you like you said it is the normal we're all constantly struggling in our own separate ways but tell us about your journey my bro yeah bro so I think like a big shock for me was um when I had my injuries um back in 2016 they sort of snowballed into sort of three or four years of constant injuries and I think yeah. what was the battle for me was just coming off the back of a mean year in 2015, like sort of playing super mm. ABs and all that. I was riding this massive high, and then the following year I was out for pretty much the whole season. And I think a big one for me was tying my um, my self worth, my identity to being like a, a mean rugby player. Like that gave me mm. all this joy and fulfillment and meaning. Um, and then when I wasn't able to do that, you know, I felt like crap and couldn't sort of understand what was going wrong and I think that was sort mm. of the turning point or, or the catalyst for me understanding a bit more around my mental health and starting that journey around um, you know unpacking a lot of those um, mindsets that I was in how I was feeling um, how big of a role it could play on I guess everyday life bro because I was a Egg to be around. Uh, my partner, my wife, can sort of speak to that. I didn't really want to be around the boys. I just kind of wanted to um, chill by myself and just sort of close off from the world. Um, yeah. Really find any joy in other things, bro. So for me to go through that sort of journey, um, yeah, it gave me a real good insight into why I think the way I do my feelings um, and then also mm-hmm. reaching out and getting support around that, bro. So it's still, still on that journey, like definitely in a better space yeah. and I used all those sort of tough times as, as um, sort of beaking points to reflect on and, and help push through not only for myself but for others around me as well. Right, I love the honesty and I know there'll be plenty of people at home that will be resonating to them what you know, the struggles that they're probably going through. What are the tools, mate? What are the tools that helped you um, get through it and, and get the confidence to be able to to be open about it because I love the honesty, man, and, and you, you will be helping many, many people around the country. Um, bro, I think, yeah, trying to understand for me that everyone isn't perfect, um, mm. that 
you know, there's this whole, I don't know, stigma, um, stereotypes around judgment, um, and it's like we all, everyone has to have everything figured out, everyone has to be mean, and I think it's yeah. amplified for in, in sports or high-performing circles because we we always got to be on. Um, every day when we're in the gym, you know, we sort of kind of push ourselves, um, get out onto the training paddock, bro, and that's just from Monday to Friday, but the real um, time to go is, you know, that Saturday when, when we play our games. Um, so trying to understand that, just giving our best effort, and for me, what's helped me, bro, is understanding that no matter how good or how bad I play, that doesn't really correlate to how I am as a human being. Um yeah. I'm out injured, if I'm not selected for a team, if I play a crap game, it doesn't mean I'm a crap person. Mm. Um, so that's sort of a, something that's helped me, bro, that understanding and that awareness. And then also having some good balance, um, tapping into all the amazing networks, support networks that I do have. Um, you know, my wife, my family, good supporting friend group, um, the boys around me. So I think, yeah, realising I'm not alone and it's funny, bro, because when I do open up and and talk to you know other people about it, they, you know, going through the same thing, and it's kind of like yeah. this big veil, this big shield just drops down, bro, and then you kind of get into some, um, yeah, bro. A lot of the time, it's not even as big DNMs. It's kind of you can actually have a bit of a laugh and go, oh, bro, I'm feeling that too. Oh, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah, this is what happened to me at that time, and it doesn't turn into a big fight session, which is Katie Pye if that does. Um, but it's more just the fact around far out. You know, we all go through these tough things, and we all we're all pretty similar in a way. Like nobody's perfect, yeah. bro. We all sort of messed up, or yeah, had our all, all have our struggles in a, in a certain way. Mate, I love that honesty, and I no doubt know that you'll be helping many people out there. You've you've helped myself with your open and honesty, and there'll be plenty out there that are probably taking these messages on board. So I appreciate you for all that you're doing in the mental health awareness and, and the mental health area. And I hopefully we can just keep talking about it. Not just this week, talk about it every single day. Um, it's something we're real passionate on the show, bro. So thank you so much for, for joining us this morning, Nihi. Uh, too much, Dagger. Um, love your mahi too, brother. And I know you've been a massive, um, yeah, massive shoulder to, to lean on and, and speak to, bro. And I know you always got my back. And I think that's what... Um, another message to drive out there bro is there's always people that have our backs um, as we've mm. got other people's backs so remembering that bro and, and the good times and the bad times and um, that'll help us through so it's absolute pleasure my bro and um, yeah man dagger all the best bro keep keep uh, keep going well on the field and keep going well off the field bro love your work cheers Nihi yeah my bro love you bro <laughs> Simon Raiwalui out of Fiji here's the Fiji Drua GM and we want to talk to him about the logistics and how they're tracking with their squad and the things going behind the scenes from Simon with the new addition of two teams being added to the Pacific Rugby Competition, Super Rugby Competition, Moana Pacifica being based out of Mount Smart in South Auckland there. And well, speaking of one of the successful code crosshoppers, cross-code hoppers, Simi Rajadra. Simi Rajadra, playing for the the Parramatta Eels and then having a very successful rugby career currently over in the UK playing some amazing rugby but anyway we'll head to Simon and get his insights to see where 
Fiji Drua are at at the moment. Good morning, Simon. Bula Vanaka, how are you? Bula, Bula. We're good, mate. How are you going? How's the preparations going for, for three Fiji Drua at the moment? Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, we've had a pretty short runway. Um, obviously, getting the license uh, signed off uh, uh, early September, so it's been a, uh, a bit of a whirlwind trying to build a super rugby team within a month. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. been interesting. And how's the squad building up? Uh, obviously, announcement yesterday with five black players being being announced to the squad. How's how's the squad coming along? You happy? Yeah, we're uh, yeah we're really happy. Um, uh, we've obviously got a nice blend of experience and youth. Uh, local mm. talent and uh, some talent from New Zealand and Australia. We've uh, signed up uh, as of yesterday, 27 players. So we're looking at a oh, squad nice. of between 37 and uh, 37 and 40. So we've, we've we've got a little bit of a way to go, but we've got a good base there. How's Mick Byrne going, mate? How's how's the conversations with Mick? I was lucky enough to be coached by Mick uh, quite a few times. He's a absolute champion. I'm pretty sure your kicking game will be pretty spot on. Yeah, Mick's good. Uh, he's obviously he's coached me as well, so um, he was he was an ideal candidate. We obviously interviewed uh, a number of world class uh, coaches, but Mick's uh, experience in building programs, skill base, um, and just general experience he's had within uh, high performance programs was uh, made him an ideal choice. Hey Simon, you, you said it's a pretty short runway, but like you guys know, this opportunity is unreal, right? So is it just a case of make it work? How kind of flexible have you had to be, and are you just flying by the seat of your pants a little bit, or is that is that what it feels like from time to time? Uh, not flying by the seat of our pants. Obviously, like I said, it's a short runway, but we've been waiting for twenty plus years for something like this. So we're not we're not going <laughs> to knock, knock the opportunity on the head. We we want to be part of Super Rugby. We've got the opportunity now. And we've just got to make it work. Yeah, now you've got the Fiji, um, you know, Fiji Drua, that is the name of the team, and it's going to have a big Fiji contingency with about the team. How many non-Fijians will you have in the team, or have you had any expression uh, interest from from players outside of the Fiji um, community? So we've uh, at the moment we've only got uh, Fijian eligible players signed up. Um, yeah, and we'll we it's obviously a team that we uh, is an important piece of our. Our pathway, so we our, we will prioritise um, Fijian uh, players. Mm. Obviously, yep. if there's a shortfall in certain certain areas, we could look at uh, potentially signing jokers that are non-eligible. But our priority at the moment nice. is uh, Fijian eligible players. Do you think um, you might be able to land a big fish, or is that setting you, like? Do you want do you want a, a bit of a headline act to get the season under the way? You just want to get out there and prove that you guys can. Because I know that you, the squad that you've got strong, and as you said, you got the right balance. But how would it? How great would it be to have someone a, a seriously experienced or a bit of a star out there for you? Yeah, I think we'd be more looking at that for probably the, towards the second year. Obviously. Starting with our negotiations in September, the actual windows don't actually match up to a lot of our players are in Europe. Um, other players are tied up with contracts in uh, either New Zealand or Australia. So we've got some big-name players, obviously gold medal winners uh, at the Olympics, um, some experience of youth coming from from our high-performance programs. So we will have maybe not as many uh, players that are household names to uh, viewers, but they will become stars eventually. And that's what it's all about for this Fiji and Duru. I spoke about it. The Pacific Islands are a big part of our rugby community. They add so much, so many talent, talented players from, from the islands. Is that what this team's about? Expressing, 
giving these younger talent, these younger younger players that probably haven't been exposed to the next level, giving them an opportunity to make me make some super some stars for the future. Yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest things for both uh, the draw and the, the minor Pacific is that pathway to uh, playing for the, the national teams. It's, it's it's the piece of the puzzle that's been missing from our pathways. We obviously get to national age group uh, teams under twenties, mm. under twenty threes, and then the opportunities are not there. So now, with these teams being in place, we've created opportunities for our players to be based uh, eventually back in Fiji. And be able to play and earn a good living uh, within within a Fijian um, uh, professional team. So it's a, it's a huge uh, moment for us. I think it's a, it's going to be huge for Fiji moving forward in the future. So yeah, we're really looking to, forward to the opportunity. Oh, it's so exciting! And uh, like I think everybody, New Zealand fans and just Super Rugby fans in general, couldn't be more thrilled to have, uh, as I say, the the Pacific flair that we have seen throughout the competition, but then actually kind of at its origins. But logistically, do you, do you guys know where you're going to be based out in the short term and then the long term? Yeah, well, so the first year, obviously due to COVID, we're probably going to, we're, we're going to be based in Australia. We're not sure where the camp's going to be yet, so, but eventually we will be a Fijian-based team. So uh, COVID restrictions, uh, uh, hopefully going next year with the vaccination rate uh, up. Second year into 2023, hopefully we are back in Fiji playing in front of our, our, our people. Mate, have you uh, had any interest? This is probably one one of my all-time favourite players, Joseph Tui, Joshua Tui Silva over in over in UK. Have you any interest from him? No, I, obviously Joshua is one of our <laughs> one of our superstars <laughs> from Fiji. He's obviously he's tied up with Leon at the moment and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a he's a high profile player, and the the, the budget probably doesn't uh, fit this, this first year. But we, 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 we'd we'd love to eventually get someone like that back. We've got a number of players over in uh, over in Europe and playing for professional clubs that uh, we can eventually target. So like this year is the, is building that foundation, and uh, hopefully uh, the rest will come. Hey, well, we we can't do this. Or you can't do this without the support and sponsors and, and, and the money to be able to hire players. Have you been? Happy with the support you've been receiving uh, from from the rugby unions, from Fiji public, and, and happy with being able to create a team out of pretty much nowhere. Yeah, well, it's been uh, obviously New Zealand rugby has been uh, uh, vital in us getting a license. Mm. Uh, they've been great. Um, we've had got support from DFAT Australian government, so they're they're also good. Um, the sponsors are actually falling into place quite well, so uh, hopefully we'll get some yes. announcements there. Um, there's a lot of interest in uh, Badra, but uh, obviously being based away from home that first year, there's going to be additional costs. So it's, it's always going to be a challenge, those financial things, but it's trending well. Talk, tell us about Fiji, mate. How's, how's Fiji tracking? I know you've been through some tough situations over there um, with the Fiji country. You know, COVID has, been, has decimated it, really. How, how's Fiji? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's been a tough six months. Uh, well, it's been a tough 18 months, really, and I think that's the same for everyone. Um, this, uh, particularly this last six months um, with the outbreak of the, uh, the the second outbreak was really hard on the, the nation. But we, as of yesterday, we reached uh, 70% on uh, double jabs. So um, oh, nice. we, a lot of the restrictions are being lifted on the uh, 4th of October. 
Uh, by the end of the, I, I would say October, we'll be at 80% uh, double jabs. And once we're there, um, I think our borders start to open and a lot of the restrictions are, are going away. So there is, it has been very, very tough and uh, people have suffered mm. as has everyone, but um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. That's a that's interesting. Well, it's good, to, really good to hear those vaccination numbers for the Fijian drawer. What what what's your vaccination policy going to be? And to play and travel, will you have to have everyone in the team, uh, support staff and players vaccinated? Yeah, although we're going to have to look at that. It's obviously pretty early with uh, what we're doing, but obviously going into Australia, we're going to need our vaccination rates up. Uh, up high, if not everyone. So we do. We obviously going through that, getting all that information in place. Ideally, we'll get have everyone vaccinated. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Hey, well, look, it might not be the Leon Cash, and he's on one leg at the moment. So if you want a discounted deal for Izzy Dag, we might be able to, uh, we might be able to <laughs> sort, sort something out. He's on one foot, but he, he could go all right. I can still kick, mate. I can still kick. I'll help Mick the kick out with some kick. I still remember his techniques, mate. That's still a part of the game today. No, no. No, mate, you, you've got that Fijian flair. Bang on, he does. The tongue wagging, the goosey. You got it, Simon. Hey, th- thanks so much for joining us this morning out of Fiji. And, yeah, we, it's really good to hear that the country's um up and, and that vaccination rate's going well. So thanks so much for joining us, man, and good luck. And we're, we're following along. So hopefully we can catch up again. Good luck, and Thanks for having me on. No worries. Awesome. That's good to hear, is he? Yeah, great, mate. I'm looking forward to this. Like, I've spoken uh, many a times with the introduction to the from the Pacific Islands. They're going to be unearthing some talent that otherwise probably we would have missed. We would have missed. They probably wouldn't have the opportunities that current day players, they haven't been exposed over and there. Because of COVID, they probably haven't had the exposure with travel, um, scouts, being able to go to the islands, see the players. So this is a great opportunity to, to reward the islands and say thank you for everything that you've given to the game today but also unearth some absolute talent for the future. For the future that may hopefully, hopefully can be bred back into the Fijian system, the Samoan Tongan um, um, system, so they can actually um, compete in the international level. That's what it's all about for me, competing at the international level and, and giving them exposure. So I'm really, really excited to see Fiji, Drua and Moana Pacifica entering the Super Rugby Pacific competition. Couldn't agree more, and again, we've spoken about it previously, but just would love to see some of those, the Charles Pietals, you know, those former All Blacks or players that have played for other uh, international teams. One day, hopefully, we can relax the rules. I think that'll be a huge a milestone achievement if it gets done. I wonder if um, where Nemani Indolo is around the world, big Nimsy. He's probably in the UK still. I wonder if he'd ever be Lester. a chance He's at Leicester Tigers. Leicester's t- Leicester Tigers, he's over there. Ah, uh, Nemzy, nah. Unless the money's huge. Nemzy doesn't do anything for free, mate. <laughs> he's, over, <laughs> he's over at Leicester Tigers. You would have played and, with him uh, a bit, eh? You would have played with him at the same time. I played with Nems, and I've, I think I spoke about it once. Like, I've seen this guy, 140 clicks coming over from Japan. I was like, mate, how's this gonna, guy going to move? And then he got on and changed the game against the Hurricanes, and he was a big part to our 2015 run. When, I think it was 2014. 2015, we lost to the Waratahs with that infamous last kick when Richie did nothing wrong. And we lost <laughs> oh, Craig Juvier. But any, <laughs> yeah, Craig Juvier. Come the on, night, Craig. The nightmare. Um, yeah, but he was a big part of our team that year. Nemani Nandolo, mate. And he'd, he'd go good in league too, someone like that. Well, he'd probably play back row. Prop. <laughs> <laughs> 
A prop that can kick, mate. Kick off both feet and step and bowl people over, mate. That Fijian fin, do you know the Fijian fin? It doesn't look like anything, eh? It's just a little shoulder shrug. It, it always works, mate. It baffles me every single time how people can fall for it, but it always works. Yeah, uh, it's going to be so great to see those lads um, out in Super Rugby. And, and like, I just, I reckon, we'll talk about it close to the time, but I want us to persist with... Um, the Pacific teams, because Super Rugby, there's so many different iterations of it. We get bored. The Hawares, the uh, the Sunwolves, like we we kind of they might get flogged a few times in the first season, and we write them off. But and I think it's our responsibility as fans and as a rugby public, just as much as it is the responsibility of Sanzar or the governing body, New Zealand Rugby, Australian Rugby, uh, the Fijian Rugby Union, to persist. We need to persist with them. Give them a chance, support them, turn up to Mount Smart in Australia, wherever the games are, turn up and really give them a chance because they will only get better the longer they play. And that's what we need for, as Izzy said, the international game. We're heading to the regions, Izzy, because it's Heartland Rugby, Heartland Championship season, finally, a long-awaited return for this competition, hasn't it been? Yeah, and I'm loving watching it on Main Freight <clears throat> Rugby on Sky TV. The Heartland Championship is for many the pinnacle of community and representative rugby in New Zealand. Real Kiwi legends battling away for the Meads and Lahore Cups each year against other great regions of Aotearoa. Not last year, though. COVID stamped the competition out last year, meaning North Otago had to wait a long time to get on with their defence of Meads Cup. They're underway, and they're one from two this year, though. And Jason Forrest is the coach of the Mighty North Otago team. He joins us now. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Izzy. How are you? I'm going well, mate. How, how are you going? How's the team? How's the team tracking? Yeah, uh, yeah it's not. Yeah, no, we're going okay. Uh, um, yeah, so two years is a very long time <laughs> in, between, mm. in between drinks. And uh, within the Heartland unions, yeah, a lot can change within that time. So... Uh, yeah, no, we we're we're going okay. We we sort of slipped up on the weekend and probably a game we should have won. But um, yeah, we're we're young, we're enthusiastic. Uh, but yeah, we're we're just very young and very inexperienced this year. And you know, um, yeah, that's what it is. That's that's the turnaround we have. And yeah, this year we've only I think we've got one starting player from the 2019 final uh, that's back back playing oh, wow. in this year's team. So. Yeah, that's that's the sort of the turnaround we have uh, within within the Hartland, and and a lot of the Hartland unions are the same. Hey mate, I want I want to ask you about this break because so you're you're entering this competition, you're thinking okay, smooth sailing, and then the COVID comes out, stamps it out, and then the competition is revised. How was that? How were the players? How did the players approach that? And and were you happy with how that you know like with the fitness levels coming out of that lockdown and the combinations and getting those right? Uh, yeah, probably eighty percent of our team. Yes, absolutely happy with how mm. they sort of come out of that. And um, you know, a lot of our guys uh, come from the rural sector, so a lot of farmers, so they're just naturally fit and that sort of thing. So uh, no, we were yeah, it's it's difficult in regards to you know, the five weeks we didn't play. Uh, we were ready to go. Uh, we'd come off a pretty good preseason, a shield game against Hawks Bay a while back, and you know, so we had yeah. got the squad together pretty early, and you know, so we were looking right and ready to go, and then obviously COVID hit and. Yeah, sort of five or six weeks back on the sideline again. So, um, yeah, when the boys come back, they, yeah, it was just a sort of a refresh and recap. And as I said, probably, probably 80% of the team were there. And some of those guys that weren't quite there are only just sort of starting to get back there now. So that's a challenge. That's that's Heartland Rugby in general. Um, it's a challenge in regards to, you know, these guys, nine to five or night shift and that sort of thing, mm. you know. So that's what we deal with. And, and that's, that's, that's the fun part of coaching Heartland Rugby at the same time. Mate, one of... One of the, you know, 
I've watched the rivalries throughout my younger younger ages, Hawks Bay versus North Otago when they're in that second division comp. Unbelievable matches. I've got very fond memories of those games. But one thing I notice is you have the best supporters. The best supporters. So what does North Otago <laughs> mean to, to North Otago? Oh, a massive amount. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's uh, our, our supporters and they, they follow us everywhere, uh, even... Yeah. Even up at Levin in the weekend, we had some of them there, and you know, so yeah, it's a it's a huge part of our community uh, within our within our team and within our support group. Um, you know, you get the bells and, and the horns and all that going. So yeah, we don't quite <laughs> get the crowds like we used to back in those days when you know those NPC days, um, Division Two and yeah. that sort of thing. But uh, you know, it's yeah, they're they're a massive part of us, and that's why we do it, and that's why the players do it, and we make sure they understand. You know, it's. Playing for the jersey, you're playing for your community, and, and that all Heartland teams will be the same around that. So, you yeah, know, they're, they're a massive part of what we are about, that's for sure. Hey, Jason, you said that you've only got one player left from your uh, your 2019 championship team. So, does that mean that you don't have any front rowers popping drop goals anymore? <laughs> no, no, we don't have the big Ralphie Darling popping any drop goals. Uh, so <laughs> massive loss. At the start of the year, <laughs> yeah, it is a massive loss, you know, 100 cap a front rower, and they don't come around that, that often these days. So, um, Ralphie was around the squad at the start of the year just sort of mentoring a few of our boys and that sort of thing and um, yeah so no, so we lost all that experience all the Lemmy Marsalis and all those guys so uh, yeah that's it's a massive turnaround and I think this year most cap back at the moment is uh, he's coming up with five caps six caps this weekend when we go up to mid-Canterbury wow. so you know yeah that's, uh, <laughs> that's just sort of where we've lost pretty much our whole back line whole new back line this year um, so you know that's a challenge a challenge of the coaching staff Um you know, see, we're young and experienced. We've got some, got some serious talent, serious X factor, and you know, I've, well, yeah, we're a bit of a work in progress at the moment. Uh, we're not quite where we where we need to be and want to be, but uh, um, no, we're, we're slowly getting there. Love your honesty. We've got a text here on double eight double three from Jacko. Jack said uh, Charles e. Elton is captain of North Otago, absolute local legend, also a spates rep. Sums up the man. So how did he come back off that off season? Did he have a couple of extra kegs on, or was he was he sucking on those spates ultras? <laughs> No, yeah, no. Charles, Charles is actually no. He's not with us this year. He was with us in 2019. Oh right. Um, and obviously, oh. then, and that, that's the pathway we create. You know, so he came and played for us in 2019. Was absolutely outstanding, and then he picked up an Otago contract in 2020. So, True. Um, yeah. So that I mean, that's the pathway we create, and that's what Hartland is about. Um, so now, nah, Charles. Oh, oh yeah, I'm a good mate with Charles, and yeah, no, nah, he's still ticking away down doing his thing down there. And, you know, we'd love to have, have Charles back, but unfortunately, no, not this year at this stage. Hey, mate, I just want to ask you, you touched on it there. How, how important is Heartland for the, for the exposure? We know there's so much talent in the regions, uh, you know, so many talents that probably don't get the exposure as the big teams. How important is Heartland to you and, and to the future of rugby in New Zealand? Absolutely huge. Yeah, it's a, that's, mm. yeah, you put everything on here, there, or there. It's a, it's a pathway... Uh, to create for, for those, because, yeah, there is some serious talent, as we know, right across the board, first 15. And, you know, we, um, as, as a stepping stone for any of these young guys, and it's just mm. making sure they understand that, you know, if they don't make academies and if they don't make this and don't make that, then we are an option for these guys. Um, and, you know, yeah, we're getting more and more exposure around the TV side of things. We need, we need more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we're getting a bit of exposure around there. And, you know... Uh, Mighty Cup, well, Bunnings Cup coaches now, they, they are, you know, I'm in weekly contact with the dog on that sort of thing. So these guys are watch, getting watched week in, week out. So it's a stepping stone, it's a pathway, and 
you know, New Zealand rugby need well, don't need us. They, they, you know, we're we're a treasure. Oh, he gold nugget sitting there with a lot of lot of exceptional talent ready to go. So, you know, it's a pathway for not just the players, coaches, and and all that sort of things. You know, at the same time. So, yeah, hugely crucial for New Zealand. Are you, are you happy with the support you've been getting from NZR and and everyone like that? Oh, absolutely, especially this year. Yeah, you know, they um, we were sort of. Um, Right, so we, we as a Howland group, sort of 2020, COVID hit and sort of pulled the pin. Um, but this year, you know, this year we've had full support from New Zealand Rugby. Uh, we've got a full competition, uh, which is outstanding. We've taken out a semi-final, so it's a bit for us yep. uh, this year. Um, so that, but you know, we still get our eight rounds in, and then a, and then a final. So, you know, no full full support from New Zealand Rugby, which is fantastic. And you know, for for small unions like us to get that exposure. You know, the, the Otago's, the Auckland's, the counties, and that still aren't playing rugby at the moment. So for us to actually be up and going and being able to have bubbles, you know, still in bubbles, obviously, but getting some of our supporters yeah. and some of our family and friends along to our games is outstanding. Oh, nice, mate. Well, I know you got a tough one this weekend. Uh, Ashburton, Mid-Canterbury, North Otago. Good luck this weekend, Coach. We appreciate your time, and uh, we, we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. Jason Forrest, North Otago Coach, thanks so much, mate. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you very much. No worries. Uh, and this text that just came through, just as we let uh, Jason go, <laughs> does Forry still have time for any golf at the moment? No way. He's too busy <laughs> leading the charge for North Otago. But thank you for getting in touch. And keep your nominations coming through. Double eight, double three. Who would you like to hear from? We've got a text here. Get Will McKenzie, tr- Tigger, mid-Canterbury halfback on the blower. He's a hell of a hoot and hadn't been in that side for a long time. So we might try track down Will if they get up over North Otago this this weekend, double eight, double three. Who would you like to hear from?